Hi, everyone, and welcome to Making Ways, the art of music. And we're here with a brand new season. This series is all about the crossroads where music and visual art meet on the Weirder Together podcast network. I'm your host, Rob Goodman, a diehard music fan and an illustrator for bands. I've been creating album covers and designing posters for bands like King Crimson, Ben Folds, and many more. In each of our episodes, I speak with bands and musicians with their visual art counterparts together about the art of music and creative collaboration. We're talking album artwork, posters, stage shows, and collaborations for music videos, TV and film, and so much more. Today, we're talking all about the art of music of Lamb Chop, and we're joined by Kurt Wagner, who is the main creative force behind the band. Lamb Chop has been putting out music since the 90s, and their latest album, The Bible, is out now, and it's incredible. The really special thing about this episode is that Kurt has been working with more or less the same creative team on his album design and packaging for all of Lamb Chop's history. If you don't know Lamb Chop, their music is incredible, jumping through genres over the past decades of making music, each move more brilliant and nuanced than the last. I can't recommend more hitting play on the Bible, their latest album, and diving back into their albums like How I Quit Smoking, Thriller, Nixon, the companion albums Ah Come On and No You Come On, and the amazing Flotus. In this conversation, Kurt is joined by Craig Allen, a longtime graphic designer and part of the creative team that calls themselves the New Formalists, who are behind the album designs for the new album and have been working with Kurt since all the way back to the first 7-inch. In this episode, we're talking about how Kurt started off as a painter and his approach to making music and to making art. We talk about Craig and Kurt's approach to creative collaboration and partnerships, their process together, and how Kurt thinks about visual art representing music. We go into the idea of reinvention, because Lamb Chop has been constantly doing this, not only in their music, but in the amazing visuals that are constantly evolving to match. You're in for an incredible conversation with one of the most brilliant, prolific songwriters of the past decades. All right, let's get started. So how did you two originally meet and start working together? I remember. Uh, ah, you too. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I was working at Hat Showprint, which is kind of famous now. I went to a college program that had like paid internships. They were called co-ops. And every other quarter starting at the end of the second year, you worked somewhere. And I discovered Hatch through looking at Ray Gun magazine in the 90s. Like there was this Hatch thing in there and I had no idea what it was or it existed. And then got an internship there for two quarters. And Kurt and Jonathan Marks walked in from Lamb Chop and they needed a seven inch design. And so I met them for the first time and they were talking about eating at these cool Vietnamese restaurants I didn't know about. So, Yeah, it was great. And so, well, we had a couple of images that we wanted them to work with. Mm -hmm. And then you came up with a way of making these little uh, letterpress blocks for it that mm -hmm. were really was neat. That was pretty exciting. It was important to us at the time to sort of work at Hatch because Hatch being what it was that we thought it would make a beautiful sort of small run of, you know, letterpress seven inches, which I don't think anyone was really thinking about at that time. And it was just part of what Nashville was and what made sense for us because we're from Nashville. 
Yeah. And what was the seven inch? It's called nine. Uh, and the B side was moody fucker. Big hit. Um, <laughs> it ended up being a beautiful little object. And I guess that was the first design you did. I don't remember if you did the label on the seven inch or not. I don't, I don't think, think so. Did. And I think I, le- I went back to school and our friend Josh had to actually print them all. Oh, wow. Wow. <laughs> Jim Sheradden, I, I believe, was a little chagrined uh, because he couldn't really like do the run of Moody Fucker the side with that on it necessarily during business hours. <laughs> um, but it, it happened one way or another. We got it, got it to happen. And, um, yeah. It's a beautiful thing. Yeah, that's amazing. And Kurt, I know that you studied art in college and grad school, and, and you were studying to become a professor, and you're a painter. Do you feel like your background as an artist, you approached kind of the art of your music both as an artifact and you know the visuals that are printed on there? You approached it in kind of a unique way, in a way that you see it as not only music, but a visual expression? Well, I've always tried to find a connection between all the crazy stuff that I do that's creative or trying to understand a connection of it and seeing if they get along or not. And it was always a tricky one when you combine music and art in any situation. But the perfect meeting place, obviously, is record design. So that was pretty exciting, knowing that there might be a venue or an avenue that I could go and use some of my visual interest in connection with my musical interest. And I've experimented with it on and off, but after a while I I do realize that it becomes a little bit too Kurt centric or whatever. And I think it's stronger if I reach out beyond that to other artists as well. And I've been really lucky to have some really great contributors to some of the imagery that is part of what we do. The second record we made was a record called How I Quit Smoking. That was made in collaboration with an influential professor I had in grad school. His name was David Dunlap. These were early days before a lot of the ways that you can do things now, but it ended up being this remarkable project. It was like a gatefold record, and it had a etching on the fourth side because it was only a three-sided record. It's pretty ambitious for a band that nobody knew anything about. But it turned out great. And after that record, then it was kind of Craig ever since. I think he did Thriller on. And you were living out in Bellevue, I think. You and Tommy had probably just gotten yep. married or something. Yep. Went started working on it out there in that apartment. Yeah. And then it just we kept making records and you know, started working with Craig on all of them because it was fun. We always had fun working together. And he was totally doing it on the sly because he was working for like proper record labels at that time. And I'm not yeah. even sure if he's okay with doing this. <laughs> now, sort of like okay, breaking the, yeah, breaking news: we're uh, we're pulling the curtain back on Craig and uh, possibly well, he, running his he career. He had some <laughs> aliases early on, and then I think we settled on new formalists when we got together with Jerry, who yeah. ended up being the third part of our group. And that yeah. things got really exciting and interesting. I freelanced originally out of school and then eventually got a full-time job. And I tried to like fire all my freelance clients and <laughs> thank God Kurt wouldn't let me do it. Yeah. Because Craig, you've worked with some, you know, pretty superstar size uh, artists over the years. 
through your le- record label will work. So you have kind of a, a lot of different experiences you bring to the, the album design process. It's interesting just hearing about how Kurt's label works and how that's changed over the years. And, and then I have my perspective from kind of the countryside, major label countryside. But yeah, now if I'm not working on his stuff, I want to do like, I did some book covers recently and some menu design. So, I mean, he also does his own record design as well. I mean, he does put out his music on his own and those designs are always really fun and innovative because of their uh, cost efficiency and and rebelliousness against all of the other aspects of he's free to do what he wants. No one. Exactly. Exactly. Well, let me ask, what is the relationship between you two when it comes to the creative development of the album artwork and the visuals for the records? How does it start? How does it develop? We could talk about the new album, the Bible, or you know, pick any record from your catalog. And how does that process go? And what's the give and take? I think it's evolved over the years. A lot of it has to do with not putting too much on Craig as far as his time. And I enjoy inserting myself into the process as, as much as is allowed, but I also defer greatly to Craig's ability and sensibilities. That's important to remember whenever I have an idea for an, another record. And sometimes I don't even have an idea, but I try to at least establish, here's some music to listen to. And I think that's probably where we start at some point. I go, hey, I just finished something. Want to hear it? And then it just kind of grows out of that. And do you have a title for the album in mind, or are you just feeding Craig songs kind of as you're going? Or uh, Not always. Like um, <laughs> I think uh, we were working on Nixon, and I don't think there was a title yet till I asked Wayne to send me some paintings that he'd been working on, and one of them was Nixon. And then, then we had a title up to that point. I, we had the music, I think, going on, but we didn't know really where that was heading as far as a visual idea. And it Again, it was great because you're working with another artist, a painter that you know, that you have a relationship with, and it all seemed to work very naturally as opposed to just scanning through artwork to something rings a bell or something. Suddenly there's a cool connection. But so there's an instance where we didn't know, you know, what the title was. I think when we made the Bible, we kind of knew, right? (laughs) Yeah, you had the painting... Oh, right. Well, yeah, I had made a painting for that, which got rejected two weeks before um, the artwork was due. So we had to scramble. The artwork was pretty much done. I mean, they just got cold feet. It was a painting of Prince, and I don't know why that's a problem, but in today's litigious society, in that particular climate of the moment when the estate of Prince was suing everybody and their mother, they got a little scared. How did the plan B come together? Because I think it's a gorgeous package and cover, you know, from the outside perspective, not knowing the plan B origin story, it's really striking. And I love that the cover is really within the screen. You're going to tell me it came together in five minutes <laughs> before the... Uh, well, actually, it took a little longer than that. But I mean, <laughs> due to Craig's cool hand and uh, used to thinking quick and <laughs> on his feet, he didn't seem to phase him at all. And I don't know, it's literally just, we were passing along, I guess, sort of, I don't know, just ideas about how to deconstruct prints in a way that was satisfactory to us. So it didn't totally lose that quality. And then in the process, I think I just took a photo with my phone 
of looking at the image that we created on my laptop and that ended up being the cover of the record which was kind of star warsy and cool and i don't know it seemed really neat so it worked out craig how would you describe the creative collaboration process with kurt and the lamb chop records from your perspective how has it been super fun usually we like we'll talk about it before i hear the music and i'm always curious as to what he's doing because like musically there's always some kind of concept or working method that'll be new to lamb chop and i just always want to know like what's he doing like one time he was converting guitar to midi using software and changing guitar parts into piano parts and that turned into kind of a musical concept so i want to know that stuff in case there's any way to represent it visually but also just as a musician i'm like just hungry to you know hear what that process is all about so it's really fun to hear about that kurt's the fine artist he's the real artist in this relationship and (laughs) i'm kind of from one of those design schools that trains you to be uh, don't call yourself an artist you know that word's just interesting musicians are called artists in my world my day job world yeah it usually starts with Kurt, how he's created the music and then how he's thinking about what might represent it on the cover. And he's usually down the road a ways and yeah. I'm, like a t- I'm like a typographer, help with typography. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but I will like, the more I live with what he's done, I will kind of like try to fuck it up on purpose and send it back to him. Okay. Yeah, do something subversive just to see if that might, you know, yeah. Might lead to something and most of it we just laugh at and and say that that would be funny or yeah. that would really piss off the label or whatever yeah we're always figuring out <laughs> ways to get our stuff rejected by the label i mean I think <laughs> that that's part of the fun of it craig doesn't get enough of that in his day job for sure <laughs> so it's really a lot of fun for us and you know half the time we actually get away with it it's pretty cool and that's what makes it fun for us but also exciting for people who pick up the thing and look at it i think for me as a listener that's the through line through the music and the art that represents it i mean there's such an evolution kurt in what you're creating you know record to record and there's really a reinvention and a rebirth that happens nearly every time still kind of bringing with you the past but filtered through a new lens that's constantly kind of, you know, being reborn. And in the visuals, I see that as well. I just, I see a constant evolution and and a change there that, you know, really eloquently matches what's happening in the music. And it tells that story, you know, that first story that a listener gets when they are approaching a record is the visual. (laughs) They're likely not hearing it first, you know, they're seeing it. I mean, I've always thought that since I was a kid buying records, you know, I mean, I bought many records just on the cover alone that just ended up being terrible, but there was something about the cover I really liked. And so it didn't really help me as making a good musical choice because I was deceived by the artwork more often than not. But it's great to have this kind of perspective on things, having done it now for so long. And it feels good that through all the changes that we've seen in the way you go about making these things, that it's still fun and exciting and there's still cool things you can do. And it's funny, like, like even on the last time we were working on this, we talked about a lot of interesting ways of going about it that harken back to some of the old methods that you used to do in order to create, you know, 
this type of work and how cool they are and how it'd be fun to sort of at least incorporate this kind of methods into what we're doing. I don't think we actually had time to get around to it once it, you know, it all went down, but at least we're thinking in those terms. And I think that's great. And I, I think it's time to probably bring up the third member of this group. When did Jerry become part of what we do? He was a illustrator and graphic designer that worked at Pushpin Graphic in New York and then Esquire and came to Nashville and at that point learned the Macintosh computer and became a graphic designer in the country music industry working for Virginia Team, which was one of the, there were about three main studios that did almost all the country music packaging. When I started looking around for that in the early 90s, it was still kind of pre-computer starting to move over. Or I guess the computer was around, but it was it was pretty new. And so Jerry worked at Team Design. I worked with him in the late 90s there. He's just a great designer and illustrator. Uh, yeah. More illustration earlier in his career, did children's books. and He's kind of a legend, really. Yeah. I mean... The way I remember it is Kurt was about to do a double album release. Oh, come on and know you come on. And I think he was probably just being nice. And he was like, what if you do one record and Jerry does the other one? So I think that was the, that was the idea going into it. But then we just, Jerry found stuff in his archives that yeah. fit the two records and was related and from then on we just that team stayed together and yeah. it was really fun yeah that's beautiful i mean kurt for you as a musician you're collaborating all the time and then you join up on these you know visual collaborations with craig and jerry in the past and craig your side as well for you both what do you feel makes a great creative collaboration when does kind of partnership work the best for music and for art? I mean, I think the first thing you work on with someone is always exciting, but then it can be a really a rich experience the more you work on things. Like Kurt's record, the new one for me, like the first couple times I listened to it, I was like, oh, he's referencing like older records. And I don't know <laughs> really if he intended to, but to me it's like, oh, there'll be like little homages to older records. Kurt, was that, that was by design? Um, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, that's just what I had to latch that's onto. What he, that's like, what he got out of it. Out and of the first listen, but he wasn't the producer, right? On this? No. Or your co-producer. I wasn't even a co-producer. Okay. I, I just gave so that up. Right? That wouldn't necessarily be by his design at all. And this is the first time in a long time. Uh, yeah, I've, I've often, you know, worked closely enough with an engineer where they obviously would be co-production credited. But this is a case where I definitely wanted to get the hell out of the way and let these guys do what they did. But I mean, OK, so there's an example of a collaboration where you just get the hell out of the way, which is a big part of collaborating as well. Is no one to shut the fuck up and let other people contribute and be who they are and realize that these are better ideas or whatever. It's very much about allowing everybody to bring who they are as artists and represent themselves in a way that they're happy with. So a big question any collaborator should ask each other is, are you happy 
and not am I happy? And I think that's pretty basic stuff, but in any kind of collaboration, if that isn't the case, then usually it will not last or it will be fraught with some sort of stuff. And it's good to get that stuff out of the way so that it's just about the work and not about whether or not your genius idea is being represented when, you know, it may be not such a genius idea. It might just be uh, a bad idea. Um, and I, I think that's great. Throw all the bad ideas out there you want. It's just don't don't hang on to them and think exactly because you thought of them. Yeah. So maybe that's one way of answering your question. I would never ask anybody to work with me if I didn't already respect them as an artist or even think of them as a master. That is really all that needs to be said about that. You know, it's like these people are great. That's why I want to work with them. I wanted to ask, I mean, you both have seen kind of the evolution, of course, of music and music tools and production, but also on the visual side where, you know, we started with records and cassettes and CDs and then tiny, tiny graphics for iPods and iTunes and all of that. And now, you know, a resurgence of vinyl, of cassettes even. And it seems like there's an interest for collectors, for music lovers to have this artifact that they can enjoy digitally, enjoy in their hands. What's been that experience for you both, and especially you, Craig, from a design perspective to kind of go through those waves and look back on where things are right now? When Kurt was talking about buying a record based on the art, I remember being a kid and what strikes me about how music is consumed now is just with everything at your fingertips, how different that is than having to go to a record store, having a limited amount of funds and buying a physical record and then potentially being disappointed in it. I remember interrogating the folks at Tower Records. You know, I'd hear like a single on the radio. I'd come in and I'd be like, is this album worth it? Like, really? Is it is it really worth it to get the whole album? I'd ask like multiple people. And I did get some great records that way. That was a huge thing in Nashville when we got a Tower Records. Yeah. All of a sudden you could find, it felt like everything you wanted. Like I bought all the Velvet Underground reissues I could find and all the Joy Division records around that time. It just gives you things to think about the way it's changed over the years design for packaging has really changed with there's so much diy things that some of the artists can do themselves is sometimes you're just doing production and and helping somebody realize what they've created on a computer so i mean even like kurt can really do a lot of design on his computer in some weird program yeah, yeah, Pages. I find like like real caveman ways of going about yeah. design with a computer, knowing full well I have no idea what I'm doing. And it's a lot of fun, but it doesn't get the job done yeah. <laughs> production-wise for sure. But I definitely, it's just my interest in another medium as far as being a visual artist. So Craig enjoys it because it's like all kinds of goofy stuff that he probably wouldn't have tried or whatever because it's like pages really you know yeah. <laughs> <laughs> or, or you know i had like some ancient version of word that i'm using and i've just figured out that you can make things on it and yeah now it combines like a phone and a computer and a screenshot and then back to a thing and i'm just using all this stuff in a completely intuitive way 
with no regard about whether it's even printable or. <laughs> yeah. One of my favorite things that I've heard you say, Kurt, is how kind of using computer tools in an imperfect way draws out the humanity in the music. I think it does it in visual art as well. You don't have that blocker, you know? There are a lot of perfectionists out there, right? They feel like they have to master a tool. They have to master a skill. It has to be perfect. And you kind of just bulldoze through that and say, I'm on my way to an idea and I'm going to get there using this stuff. And the human side of it is going to show because I'm not a computer, so it's not going to be perfect. You know, I mean, that is going to be the eternal struggle between, especially as we approach more and more AI-ness, you know, where do we as humans still fit into this whole thing, especially in the creative way? I embrace a lot of new stuff because I just see that the possibilities of screwing it up are even more fun than the actual beautiful reality of it. It's how man has always sort of adapted, especially in music, you know, it creates its own sound by your own sort of disregard for the rules of, of how it should be put together. I mean, look at dub music or whatever. I mean, there's, you could go on and on all these different wonderful musical genres, you know, came out of absolutely, you know, just sort of using the device or a tool to your own effect, you know, without what it was actually designed for, whether it was auto-tune designed to make singers sing perfect and realizing yeah. if we sing badly into it, it sounds great. Um, you know, <laughs> that kind of thing. And who figured that out? Not me. You know, some hip-hop people figured that out. And same how hip-hop developed was basically through a way of <laughs> DJing music. You know, it's just incredible what happens when you just start to try to mess up the very thing that's been created. And that's going to happen as AI becomes more of a thing. And there's going to be ways of trying to mess that up as it becomes more and more a deep fake world we live in. And there'll be a way of having fun with that, too. I mean, there are people already doing that, you know, and I'm fascinated by that. I'm fascinated by anything that hasn't been thought of or done. And a lot of that is because it was wrong to try it in the first place. <laughs> where does that where does that come from in you? I mean, that's a through line throughout your entire career. Like, let me fuck it up. You know, this is how it should be. This is the straight line. Do you look back and think there was a moment, there was something you heard, something you saw, and you said no, or a lens you saw something so differently than others, and you were like, this is where I can lean in? I don't know. I mean, I think it comes back to when I first started studying art in art school and stuff and realizing that having good technique and being a great draftsman doesn't make you a great artist. It probably hinders you in a lot of ways because all those people either washed out of school or were too bored with it anyway and just aren't making art anymore. The few of us that were sort of like handicapped, I was not a great draftsman or any of that stuff at all. I just had these wild ideas and I realized that maybe that's a, as big a part of being an, an artist is what it is. In fact, it is what it is. I mean, that's what makes Michelangelo a great artist isn't just that he was an amazing draftsman, you know. It's something there, you know, that everybody still responds to. And it, he was kind of, I think, kind of a rebel <laughs> at the time anyway. He was probably not painting within the, the lines at all, you know. That is also in my nature to have fun and not take anything that seriously. I mean, it is supposed to be art and fun. And if it isn't, maybe 
let's not let's not do that. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So, Craig, I mean, it just must be so much joy, kind of, in getting these gifts from Kurt and knowing that there's that freedom in creating together and bring it to life. Is that how it feels, or does it, you know you feel like pressure? You have to outdo yourself together. I mean, I mean. <laughs> Uh, that, it's not it's not that way at all i'm guessing no no i mean there's definitely a little bit of that i'm okay okay and we were talking about collaboration what makes a good collaboration sometimes it's the challenge of doing something you haven't done before because you've done some work in the past with people right. for sure so that's exciting and kind of scary at the same time What's the inspiration that you bring into new projects together? I mean, Craig, are you looking at what other designers are doing? What else is happening out there? Kurt, same with you, I guess, on the visual side and also on the music side. He makes me think of art history. So I kind of go there. Jerry and Kurt are a lot more knowledgeable than I am about that stuff. But I know like the design history that kind of goes with it. So which is big. I mean, that's something I knew very little about. So I started hanging with Jerry and Craig. You know? So just those, what can you draw from that? My best friend from college was always asking me like, what's the concept when he would look at my work? And I, I was just kind of one of those designers that put things together and found the relationship afterwards or found the appropriateness afterwards a lot of times. Like you think you're doing one thing, but then you stumble on something, I guess, happy accident. And that can happen on like through a computer glitch. But a lot of times that's kind of what I'm looking for. Like, how do I do things that I'm not controlling every aspect of and see if something interesting happens? I think one of the things that I also I learned and I think even in, in the name that we ended up going with new formalists and stuff like that was the notion of formalism and like the grid for me, mm -hmm. even finding out what the grid meant just sort of was a big thing for me. And suddenly it wasn't total alchemy that Craig and Jerry were doing, but there was actually this sort of thing behind it all. And it sort of really was helpful in decision-making all through the whole damn thing. And that was big because then it started to, I started to relate that to the computer music world as well and how that is totally about the grid as well when you're getting into like working with electronic music and stuff being, you know, just based on BPM and the grid. So how those things connected just was fantastic. We would usually touch upon that, I think, in any record we ever Mm -hmm. made there would be a moment or something where we would have a conversation about that at some point and keeping that as an overarching thing to whatever this little group was that we created was really important and to help hold it together at least outside of just our friendships and stuff but there was sort of a concept there that we could point to and go we're not just being wise ass about being new formalists you know there actually was something to that although we were kind of being wise asses too so yeah. In one context, like formalism was a bad thing in design history, which is like what I think EJ was referencing. Like, where's the concept? Oh, you're new formalists. <laughs> There's no concept, but there always is. Yeah. And a formalist is just focused on the aesthetic? Yeah, just the visual without an underlying concept, you know what I mean? Or content, ignoring the content, which is totally not how I would describe anything that Kurt works on. But like the new record, Kurt will paint with a pencil grid, underlying pencil grid, and that's 
I think this record is the first time you've seen it. Right. Um, because the painting of Prince was unfinished when we started working so, on it. So the grid was still there, and, but the grid is thousands of years old. I mean, that's how painters at one time would transfer information through a grid of string on a frame, and they would set it in front of their still life and then replicate what they saw square by square. I mean, it's fucking digital. <laughs> yeah. Yep. <laughs> It's, it's the old school uh, digital breakdown, yeah, for artists. Well, totally. It's so p- pixel by pixel, man. Yeah. yeah. And so is New new Formalist is the name of you all as kind of a group of creatives working on the design. Are you are you working on other projects besides Lamb Chop Records? We're totally available. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, right, this uh, is turning into an ad. Uh, <laughs> okay, let's do it. Uh, yeah, well, it's hilarious that I don't think we've ever been hired by anyone else but Lamb Chop, which is sort of <laughs> kind of telling, I, I think. But I think our future is probably uh, a geriatric hardcore band called New Formalist. <laughs> yeah, it's coming to a rest home near you. Um, <laughs> We don't get out much, but when we do, watch yeah. out. Oh, man. <laughs> well, great. I'm going to have to have you both back when this thing takes off. <laughs> yeah. Or lays down, whatever happens first. Whatever. Yeah, you, know, um, you never know. <laughs> no, absolutely. It's such an incredible collaboration, and to see the growth and the evolution over all these decades, all these records. Kurt, I'm such a fan of Lamb Chop and your music, and I love the new record. And Craig, it's great to meet you and see some of the team behind these visuals, which I think represent the music in such a compelling way. So just such a joy to meet you both and love the conversation. I'm just grateful that you reached out to us. Thanks so much for listening. Please subscribe if you dig what we're doing here on this independent podcast. Rate the show, share it with friends, colleagues, and creatives in your life. Visit makingwayspodcast.com to learn about our guests, see the exclusive artwork I illustrated that goes along with this episode, and support what we're doing so we can continue to bring you amazing new episodes at the crossroads where art and music meet. Making Ways is created, hosted, and illustrated by me, Rob Goodman. Audio engineering is by Brian Paik at Pacific Audio. You can find us on Instagram at making.ways. And if you have a project that brings together music and art, I'd love to work together. Hit me up at rob at makingways.co. And check out more of my artwork at robgoodmanart.com. Be well and see you soon. Thanks so much again for listening to Making Ways, The Art of Music. Mm-hmm.